I said, I, I will find out if not from you, I will find out later today from someone else. So this is your last chance to tell me as my mother who my father is. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an Ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 116, and today I am speaking with Danny. Hi, Danny. Hi, Lily. It's so good to see you today, to no. see your face. I miss you. I know, right? <laughs> happy we Valentine's are, Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. We are, we're friends in real yeah. life. We've yeah. become friends, NPE friends. Exactly. Yeah. We, here in Minneapolis, we have a little community that gets together. I feel like we've done it a couple times a year. We'll meet at a local restaurant and talk and catch up with each other, a bunch of MPEs from one of the Facebook groups. And I met you there. And then you and I have gotten coffee ourselves just at Caribou. Yeah. Best place ever. Um, so I know your story. But, right. <laughs> right? I know most of it. I feel like we've talked for hours. So I feel like I know most of it. I haven't gotten updates, though. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'll get those today. And then are you and I both going to go to the retreat this spring, the High Wraith Hope and Healing Retreat? I'm going. Are you going? I'm going. Yay! I got a room. I got Yay! my own oh my room. So I think <laughs> it's, in, it's in a house, right? It's in a house on the, I don't even know. the. Is it Jersey, Jersey Shore? Shore? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm seeing they're getting facilitators. And mm-hmm. is it NPEs and adoptees that will be doing that? Correct. Yep. And I believe donor conceived too. I'm not sure how many individuals will be there. And you have done one of these retreats before. I did. I went last fall and it was amazing. You loved it? I did love it. It was it was great. Did you stay in the house or did you commute? Nope. I stayed in the house in Pennsylvania. It was beautiful and great company. Just a lot of healing and great to be around, uh, you know, the group of nodding heads. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to put... The- I do believe the the current retreat we are speaking of is full, maybe, but I'm still going to link it because it is a healing sort of environment and it's something that NPEs, adoptees, donor-conceived people might want to know about. And we need to get another local coffee or lunch on on the calendar soon. We do. Yes, that sounds great. All right. So... I want to hear what's going on, but for the sake of the podcast, would you back up and share what and who was in your original family and, and what that was like growing up? Absolutely. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, I was born here in Minneapolis in 1985. Um, I had an older sister at the time. She was 10 years older than me. Um, I knew she had a different dad than I did. Um, that was always something that was never a secret. My birth certificate dad met my mom when she was pregnant with my older sister. Um, so he knew that she, that she was not his daughter. I just found out with all my research after my discovery that my mom and my birth certificate dad um, actually were divorced in 1983, two years before I was born. So it was kind of a surprise <laughs> to me. I guess uh, there's a lot of things about growing up that I that were kind of kept in the dark or just weren't really talked about. Um, so that was one of them that was really interesting. Wait, I th- did you just say your your parents divorced two years before you were born? Yeah. Yep. Did they re- did they ever remarry? They didn't, but I think they were just kind of on and off again. They would just yep. you know, get back together, break up, get back together. I mean, who knows? I don't really know. <laughs> yep. But my, for all intents and pur- purposes, my dad, you know, raised my older sister. You know, he was very much in her life, very involved. Um, my birth certificate dad. But, you know, I, it was kind of understood 
that she was my half sister. And so that's why we were so different. Like it was easy for me to understand why, you know, we were just really opposite people um, aside from the age gap. Growing up, I wish I could say I had kind of a normal upbringing and, and a normal happy childhood, but it was really different and unique for me. You know, I don't really remember my mom and dad ever like living in the same house together. But, you know, they were on and off again for many years. They had my younger sister in 1989, four years after I was born. Um, And I remember shortly after that, like my dad not being around as much anymore or, you know, certainly not living in the house. There was a lot of alcoholism, a lot of fighting and arguments, you know, things that young, young children shouldn't have to experience or go through. A lot of mental health issues. Um, especially my mother's side. Um, And I think I always kind of knew that, but I was never really allowed to talk about it um, or it wasn't easy to talk about. Um, But now it's kind of making sense how everything kind of happened. Growing up after my dad was kind of, um, you know, more and more out of the picture, um, my mom had a lot of boyfriends in and out of the house, um, a lot of people coming and going, a lot of instability. Um, And she eventually remarried, um, I don't know if I was like seven or eight, but she got remarried. I just remember that didn't last very long. And I wasn't a huge fan of that, that guy. <laughs> my, my older sister lived in the house until, uh, I was eight and she was 18. She moved away to college. And I remember my dad picking her up and kind of packing up his van with all of her things, taking her off to college. And I just, I remember just the feeling of like, don't leave me here. Like I was like left behind with my mom and my little sister. And it was just so chaotic and unstable that I just, I just felt like my older sister leaving was just like the end of it for me, you know? Um, but that being said, you know, I was uh, teased a lot by my older sister growing up. She would always say I was the mailman's kid. You know, none of us looked alike. None of us girls looked anything alike. We were never alike in any way, no interests or anything. And I always kind of attributed that to um, our age gap because, you know, 10 years with my older sister and four years with my younger sister, I thought that that's why we're not alike. You know, we kind of grew up in different generations, but, you know, that turned out to have more to it. Um, One thing about growing up that was really significant part of my life was our family cabin. And so, as you know, here in Minnesota, we have a lot of lake homes and cabins. Um, So kind of every summer, I really grew up there. We'd, um, you know, go up there as as early as we could in the season and stay as late as we could before we had to board it all up and and go home. And still to this day, um, before I found out um, my discovery, that was still kind of my happy place and where I felt most comfortable and just always look forward to cabin time all year long. (laughs) It's kind of what helped get me through the winter. So that's a really important part of my story. My mom, she remarried and then she divorced. She had more boyfriends. Um, She went away for a little while for rehab, um, for alcoholism. Uh, I remember that. I used to go to her AA meetings with her and all that, which it's great that she got sober. Um, I think that was a big change in her life for the positive, of course. Um, But then when I was around 12 or 13, you know, that's a really delicate time in your life. I came home and my mother was with another woman. And it was a complete shock. Like with another woman? Like uh, hanging out, like, you know, cuddling by the fireplace. And I was 12, you know, and and Mm -hmm. this was like 1997. And I don't know if you remember the culture and society back in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like Ellen DeGeneres came out in 1997. Um, it It was just not a very, um, you know, gay friendly world that we were living in. Yeah. So super, super hard for me. Um, I ran away from home in the freezing cold. Um, nobody came after me. No one really looked for me. I felt really, um, kind of abandoned. Like you don't care enough about me to like talk to me about this new relationship and this huge dynamic change in my life. Like it was, it was just always about her, my mother and what she, you know, whatever she wanted to do. Um, so that was a big uh, turning point in my life, a big, a big uh, change. And I lost a lot of friends because my mom decided to be with a woman. Um, she moved her in like the next day. <laughs> oh, wow. um, and I went and I lived with my dad for a while, my birth certificate dad. 
And I hadn't spoken with him for like, you know, we were very distant. And my mother made sure of that because uh, she would talk a lot of, um, say a lot of bad things about him. Not so nice things. So, and she would kind of make us girls feel bad if we wanted to spend time with him, you know, or his family. So that's, that kind of created a little bit more of a distance um, between us. Um, but, you know, in middle school, high school, I just always had a lot of friends um, that kind of helped support me, even though I did lose friends. Um, on the flip side, you know, there was a lot of people that did come up to support me and uh, and be there for me. Um, but then I kind of started to just focus on making a lot of friends. Um, people would come over to, I moved back with my mom eventually because it was really hard to live with my dad um, just as a teenager and he didn't live anywhere near my school. So I ended up in high school, kind of hanging out with the party crowd. I didn't have any discipline. So my mom would let me have parties at home, um, kind of no supervision. So I kind of felt like I was on my own, but you know, I always, I always felt like I had something more. There was something I was missing. Um, you know, I always did good in school and all that, but I just didn't have any guidance. Um, so I was happy to be done with high school and I went to college and that's where I met my uh, son's father. Um, we dated seriously and we got a house together. We got married in 2015. Um, I still, as a, as a young adult, didn't have a very close relationship to my birth certificate father. Um, I, I guess I just kind of accepted it at that point that we were never going to really have that relationship. Um, but I, you know, I started to become closer to my mom. We'd, you know, share the cabin together. Um, you know, have a lot of good memories up there at least. But, you know, up at the cabin, that's where my my intuition was the strongest. Um, my mom and I would sit at the end of the dock and kind of look out at the sunset and share a beer and kind of talk about all of life's, you know, big questions. And And I would ask her, you know, like, why why don't I fit in? Like, why am I so different? I said, are you sure I wasn't adopted? And she'd get really mad at me and say, shame on you. I would know if something like that happened. I gave birth to you, you know, and I would say, okay, well, was I a twin? And like my twin died. Like, I just feel like something's off. And I always felt that way. And it was just so frustrating to me. Um, but I think because my mom kind of threw that like shame on you, I kind of learned in a way to not trust my intuition and just kind of started to believe that something was wrong with me or I was different. Um, but I just never really knew why. But that feeling was the strongest when I was up at the cabin, for sure. Um, in 2017, I got pregnant. My son was born in 2018. And I went on maternity leave. Um, and I had a little extra time in my hands. Not much, but a little bit. And I thought, oh, let's, uh, let's do something cool and try Ancestry. So I bought an Ancestry kit. Um, I asked my older sister to take take an ancestry test as well. And she agreed. I asked my mother to take one. Um, and she said she didn't believe in that. She refused, even though I said I would pay for it. Um, one important part of my story is that my mother was adopted. Uh, she had a closed adoption in 1955. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, things I've been reading on about inherited, you know, grief and all that. And, you know, I certainly can have a lot of empathy for my mom um, that she was adopted and she, she felt out of place in her family too, you know, and there was probably a lot of shame surrounding her birth, you know, in the baby scoop era of the 1950s and all that. Um, so anyway, I was, I was always told my mom that I would find her family for her someday, somehow I would find them. And I thought, well, you know, let's do these DNA tests and maybe I can find them that way. Um, that's that was my intention in taking ancestry and also um kind of to make myself feel better I always used to kind of think that I was so out of place and I was so different because I was like my mom's family like her birth family her biological family I was like them that must be why I was so different so anyway I got my results back from ancestry and you know had some matches but none of them really made sense I didn't couldn't put two and two together with any of the names. And, you know, I sent out emails and messages and said, oh, hey, you know, doing some family research. Do you know how we might be related? Um, and no real replies. Um, 
nothing of significance, at least. And, you know, I, I just never put two and two together. I went back to work. Um, things got busy. I was adjusting to life as a new mom. Um, and I kind of, you know, didn't go on there very much. I'd go on there once every couple months and kind of see if anyone replied to me or, you know, send another message and say, hey, still here. Like, what's going on? Um, but never heard back. Um, yeah, life was busy. But then in 2019, my uh, husband and I, we separated. Um, it just wasn't working out for either of us. So February of 2020, we moved out. And then, of course, March of 2020, the pandemic hit. So life was kind of hard oh. around that time. And I had, a, you know, a young son. It was heart-wrenching to, you know, not be with him every day of the week and to share him with his dad. But I know that that's the right thing to do for him and that, you know, equal parenting time was the right thing to do, even though it was hard. Um, but yeah, the pandemic hit. Oh God. Then I started dating. I was hopeful when 2021 came around. Um, things were getting better. Um, summer came. I could go back to the cabin. Um, and then one night, uh, Monday night, I got a phone call from my older sister. And she never really had any any big hits on Ancestry either until this phone call I got. Um, and she said, hey, you'll never believe what I found out. I have a half-sister, an older sister that's three years older than me. I was like what? No way. That's crazy. And she's like, yeah. And you know, she told me the story and sent me her picture. And I'm like looking at the picture. I'm trying to see like, oh, do I look anything like her? I said, hmm, let me go on Ancestry and just check and make sure she's not my house sister too, because mom was kind of, you know, eh, you know, questionable back then. So maybe mom like had a baby and adopted her before you were born and just didn't want to tell us because she would have been young. Mm -hmm. Um, but nope, she wasn't my match. So I knew that she was not my sister. So that must have been from her dad. So that kind of made sense. Um, but then I kept looking at my matches. And, and I had one match at the very top, who was a very high percentage. We shared 26% DNA, which was higher than my half-sister. Um, we only shared 24%. And, you know, I sent her another message. And no reply. And I thought, I just couldn't shake this feeling of like, who is this person? And and I think by this time, Ancestry had like updated some of their settings because it would say like, you're either a grandparent, grandchild match or like half sibling match. So I, I was like, hmm, I need to look into this a little bit more. So I Googled this person's name and up came her obituary. Oh. She had died four days prior. No. Just passed away. Oh, yeah. Danny. Oh, no. Um, and I, you know, I, I just never, I never heard this name before. I didn't know who this person was. Um, and, and I just kept thinking and thinking and I go, oh my gosh, I must have found my grandma on my mom's side, like my mom's birth mother. This must be her. That's exactly what I thought. You know, and so I called my mom immediately and I'm like, have you ever heard of this name? You know, does it sound familiar? Nope. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, I mean, so one thing I left out is when I read her obituary, um, it was very long. She sounded like a lovely woman. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most was that she enjoyed her summers on Lake Miltona, which is where my cabin is. Yeah, that's your cabin lake. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very large lake. So I was like, hmm, well, maybe that makes sense. Maybe like she was friends with my mom's adopted mom or something. But then I just, I looked into it a little bit more and I, I think I like Googled a map of the lake or something. I found out where that last name was on the lake and it was on our side of the lake and it was five cabins down. Um, so I knew that there, there was something weird here going on and I just, I couldn't understand because when I asked my mom if she knew the name and she said, no, I'm thinking like, you've been going up there for 66 years you know, everybody on our side of the lake, how do you not know that name? You know, and I didn't know the name because, you know, we kind of kept close, you know, just one or two cabins down, but not five. <laughs> yeah. So I just kept thinking about it. And then I got the idea, well, if this is mom's mom, then my older sister, this has got to be on her ancestry too. Well, it wasn't on her ancestry. She gave me her login and everything so I could do my research and it was not her grandmother. 
Um, and the woman was 93, so I knew it was a grandparent. And then I thought, well, if this isn't mom's mom, then it's got to be on my paternal side. So it's got to be my dad's mom. I thought, but that's not my dad's mom. You know, my birth certificate dad, that's not her. So again, I called my mom. I'm like, this just isn't making sense. You know, she denies, 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 doesn't know. Um, And then I I think I kind of knew. I just could kind of just, I just knew. And my mom, she act like she, I never really could believe 100% of the things that she would say. But I could always tell when she was like being untruthful. Yep. So I call my birth certificate dad, and we had not spoken um, since December before. So this was like six months. I hadn't spoken to him, so I'm sure he was a little um, surprised by my phone call. <laughs> and, you know, it's such a weird conversation to have. I was like, hey, dad, um, so, you know, I'm doing this ancestry thing, and is there any way that like maybe any sliver of doubt in your mind that you've ever had, like any fragment of a possibility that you might not be my dad? And he was quiet. It was like, you could hear a pin drop. And he just like let out a sigh. And he says, Danielle, you will always be my daughter. And that's, I knew he knew, I knew he knew. And it was just like, what, what is going on? Um, so everything kind of just spiraled from there. Um, so this was the day after the phone call for my sister. This was Tuesday um, that I kind of could put things together on my own. But it was getting late by that time. It was, you know, 9, 30, 10. And I thought, well, just get some sleep. I have to work tomorrow. Um, so Wednesday morning, wake up, get ready for work. I'm driving into work down the freeway. And I decided it's a great idea to call my mom. And present her with this information and say, you know, this cabin is five cabins down. How do you not know? You know, and I I told her, I was like, I'm going to find out the truth. Okay. I said, I, I will find out if not from you. I will find out later today from someone else. So this is your last chance to tell me as my mother who my father is. And I listed the two names on the obituary that were her son's. And uh, the first one, she says, ew, not him. And I, I thought, okay, well, here it is, you know, driving down the freeway. I said, what do you, what? I said, tell me, tell me his name. And she told me. And it's like, I, I can't even describe the shock. Like, your head just is spinning and you just, it's just crazy. But I thought I could still get to work by nine for my meeting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and, you know, like when you're in shock and something like this happens, you're definitely not using the rational half of your brain. You know, I mean, I, at least I wasn't. I was very irrational at that time. Um, so anyway, I got into the conference room. I set up my computer and I just couldn't do it. I just my head was spinning and I, I felt like I was hyperventilating and like I was having a panic attack and I just, I didn't know what to do. And it was very empty in the office because, you know, pandemic, not a lot of people are going in. And I was scared because I was alone, you know, and I was going through this major shock and, you know, it just was crazy. Um, so I ended up calling one of my really close friends and she kind of was like, okay, breathe, you know, she helped me through it. Um, went back to the room, one of my close uh, coworkers, she luckily was there and she saw me and she came in and she kind of comforted me and told me that, you know, Hey, you know, you're going to be okay. You need to go home, like deal with your stuff. Like work will be here. I said, okay. Um, but before I left, I had to calm down enough so I could drive. And of course I wasn't thinking straight and I'm, I need to have answers and my mom isn't giving me answers. So what do I do? I think it's a great idea to call the funeral home of this woman and try to get a hold of one of her sons, specifically the the one who my mother just said was my my birth father. So, I mean, looking back, it wasn't good timing because he had just lost his mom. And I'm sure like that was probably super hard time in his life. And then I called the funeral home. I left a message for him and I just said, you know, what? I would like to speak to him about his mother. Uh, could you have him call me? And I left my number and I thought, okay, we'll see what happens. And it was like two minutes later, I got a phone call 
but I was, I was still so upset. I couldn't answer it. He ended up texting me, you know, and said, Hey, I understand you want to talk to me about my mom. You know, she's a wonderful woman. We're all very upset about her passing. Um, you know, let's find a time to chat. And I was like, yeah, we need to chat. I'm so sorry about the timing, you know, and, and just said some things like that. And I said, but I need to know, like, do you know who I am? And he just wrote back, yes, dot, dot, dot. Um, so, I mean, I was just dumbfounded. I just didn't know what to think. And I mean, at first, you know, the, the first thing I was thinking in my very irrational state was I should go to the funeral and just show up and meet my family. But of course I didn't do that, thankfully. And that wouldn't have been the right thing to do. Um, but I was able to, um, the next day on Thursday, attend my grandmother's funeral over zoom, Mm. which was crazy. You just can't even explain the feeling of like, that's the first time I ever saw my birth father on zoom at a zoom funeral for my grandmother, you know, a woman who I never got to meet who was five cabins down for me my whole life. And like my whole biological family was there and it was just such a weird feeling, you know, and, and I watched the whole thing and they like listed off all her grandchildren. And I'm just thinking like, what kind of world am I living in? Like, it's just everything feels so upside down. Like in reality, like I should have, been there like I should have been a part of her life to some degree like I should have at least known who she was and had the opportunity to meet her you know she sounded like a great woman um so here I was in shock like attending this virtual funeral for a woman who I've never met but somehow I feel so connected to um and I was grieving you know I grieved for this woman I did not get the chance to know and that's such a weird feeling and it's a weird thing to say until you've gone through it. It's just, it's crazy. Um, You know, because I just feel like we enjoyed the same things. We enjoyed the same beach, the same sand, the same water, the same sunset. Like we had so much in common just because of where we love to spend our time. So yeah, it was, it was a really challenging week to say the least. I had been um, just freshly dating my boyfriend at the time for about three months and I was like, um, I don't think I'm emotionally available anymore. <laughs> Maybe we should just put the brakes on it and like chat another time when I can like figure out my life. And he, um, you know, stood by my side. He was like, no, you're crazy. Why would I like not want to date you anymore? So he was a huge part of my support system, you know, because I didn't have my mother anymore. I couldn't trust her. I couldn't go. To, she couldn't be the one I was going to. I didn't, I just didn't really have a lot of people in my court. So it was really great that he stuck around. For me, I just kind of lived in this world of like, what do, what do I do now? I don't know. Couldn't figure it out. And I felt like I was literally the only person on the earth that this has ever happened to. <laughs> um, and so I couldn't sleep. So I'd Google and I would Google. And then all of a sudden I came across like NPE. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I couldn't wait to like tell everybody the next morning. You know, I found out like 2 a.m. And I was like, I'm not alone. Like there's so many people that this has happened to and there's these resources and and websites and advice. Um, But at first I just, I thought I was this weird person. Um, And then ironically that, that weekend after I found out it was NPE awareness day, June 27th, I think June is NPE awareness month. Mm. So that was, that hit home. I was able to kind of, process things and post different things, I guess, um, really relating to that. Um, you found out in June. Yep. June of last year. So when I met you last summer, you were like weeks in brand new. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, that's terrible. Oh, (laughs) it's so consuming in the beginning. I mean, it's still overwhelming, but it's really, Ooh. Okay. And when I met you all, you know, for drinks and, and apps on the patio, like, it felt so comforting to know that not only am I not the only person, but there's other people that live by me and that I can meet up with and talk to. And like, it was just incredible. So yeah, it was really good timing for me. Um, then I had um, a trip planned to go to Puerto Rico for one of my really good friends, her her 40th birthday. Um, so I, I, you know, I took a mental break. 
And I tried to like shut it off and just go have fun and have a good time. That was a week long and it was great. Um, So I'm really glad we got to do that. Um, But then I got home and it was like the minute I landed, I was kind of back to reality and back to my life. And what do I do? I, you know, I ended up having to take off like 10 weeks from work just to kind of process and deal because I was not able to work. I wasn't able to focus. I was, you know, not able to really be myself at all at any capacity because I all of a sudden didn't even know who I was, you know, my whole world was flipped upside down. So I, I just, I had to take time off and luckily my, my work was really supportive um, and they support mental health and all that. So super understanding, super grateful to have that time to be able to focus on healing and figuring out what my life was from that point on. And I have to say, I'm really glad you did that and you're mentioning it because a lot of people I've talked to talk about how they've, you know, done FMLA or taken some a medical leave after finding out this shocking news. But and there's no shame in that. That is necessary, mm-hmm. you know, for some people who can't pro who can't continue to to try to fake it and function. It's so hard to um to still try to cope and do daily things. And plus your mom and taking care of your son. So I, I'm just glad you brought that up. I think someone needed to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to heal no matter what it takes. I mean, Lily, I was at the lowest point in my entire life. Like I didn't think I would be able to like go on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, after I got back and I was able to take some time, um, I, you know, my bio dad and I would text a little bit and decided that we would meet up. And he, I laughed because he said, we should meet up for coffee. And I said, oh, no, we're going to meet up for drinks. I'm going to need a drink. Um, so it was really weird. You know, you never you can't prepare yourself to, like, meet your biological parent as a grown woman at 36 years old. And they're a grown man and they've been so close to you your whole life, you know, and you don't really even know what they look like because you've seen some pictures, but I was just like, I got there early and I just kind of waited and every man that walked by, I was just kind of like, Oh, are you him? Are you, you know, but then I saw him walk in and he had like a little gift bag and I had brought a gift as well. So that was kind of, kind of nice. Um, I also asked him to bring some pictures of him growing up um, because I didn't know if that would be the last time I'd ever see him. He shared a lot of pictures of me and he shared a picture um, with with me of him at the cabin at the beach when he was three or four years old, my son's age. And it was like goosebumps stood up on my arms because it looked exactly like my son. And my son was born and he had blonde hair. And I have very, very dark hair. Mm -hmm. My son's father has, you know, brownish hair and the rest of his family has red hair. Um, So we never really knew where this blonde hair came from. And all of a sudden it just started to make sense. But yeah, so one thing in when I attended the online funeral, um, my bio dad told a story about his mom. Um, When she was kind of getting to the end of her life, he asked her what the best present was that she ever received in her life. And she, she said a chocolate bunny for Easter. (laughs) Um, so she could share it with her siblings. Um, so I bought him a chocolate bunny and (laughs) it's kind of funny, you know, it's ironic, (laughs) but that's what I wanted to give him. And I had, I put it in the fridge in the back of the fridge and the ears broke off (laughs) and I didn't notice until I went to go put it in the bag. And I was like, well, it's fitting. I'm still going to give it to him anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's sweet. Um, But it was really nice because not only did he bring me um, photos that I could look at, but he brought me um, a Swedish dollar horse from my grandmother's house because he had recently gone to her house to go through her belongings. Um, And he said when he saw it, he thought of me immediately and that I deserved to have it, you know, a piece of my heritage because I'm so interested in that and just meant the world to me like it's to this day like one of my prized possessions aside from my son like it just means everything to me and then he brought me like this little ceramic angel from my grandma's house too and so I have that little angel at my desk kind of watching over me 
I felt like even though I didn't get to know my grandma, I felt like I knew her into some capacity. Like there's just no way to really explain like, how do I find out about her four days after she passes away? You know? And in my mind, I'm, I'm probably making up stories to rationalize things, but I'm thinking, you know, she got to heaven and was mad that she didn't get to know me because I'm awesome. <laughs> and so she was like, I'm going to bring the truth to light. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yes. I so, do. Yeah. Yeah. Just that weird feeling of that. Um, so anyway, that was kind of it within the first month. He told his wife about me. Um, he told my half-sister, my younger half-sister, who I found out about about me. She's um, in college um, in Chicago. She's 10 years younger than me, and she seems like a wonderful gal. And his wife sounds lovely as well, um, but neither of them have really um, chosen to, to want to like open up or get to know me or mm-hmm. have any conversation with me, which... Like, I struggle with it because I feel like it's not my fault. I, I want to know everything about, <laughs> about everything. You know, just there's so many questions. But at the same time, it's like I can't possibly know how they feel, you know? Do you think your or did your birth father tell them he knew your whole life or that he had just found out you were his daughter? You know, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I didn't ask him. I did ask him, um, you know, did you know about me? I said, did did you ever like look down the beach and see me playing when I was six, seven years old, growing up my whole life and like, think about me. And he said, yeah, he said, my mom told him to stay away. And he said, I'm sure we passed each other on, you know, on walks outside. And, and it's just like, it's just so heartbreaking to think that turn back time and go back and, and like look closer at everything that ever happened to you. You know, I mean, we both really enjoy going to the winery up there. Like, were we there at the same time? I don't know. It's just like all these questions. Yeah. The story my mom told me was that she brought me home from the hospital and she was holding me on the deck of the cabin and he came over and she said, I could tell by the look in his eyes that he knew you were his. And he didn't want anything to do with you. That's what she told me. And she said at that moment on, she decided that he was not going to be my dad. And she was kind of like on and off again with my birth certificate dad. So she chose him to be my dad. She thought that was the right thing to do at the time, apparently. But I also feel like there was a lot of shame surrounding that decision. She came from a very Catholic family and her father was still alive. And I don't think he would have been too keen on her having another, you know, another person. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever really know the truth (laughs) or how close I ever came. But since, uh, since my discovery, I have not been back to the cabin. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't, I can't go back there. Number one, I, I can't, I'm still no contact with my mom. Okay. Decided to do that pretty early on when she was not respecting my boundaries that I was setting. And I just, I don't know, I I just feel like the cabin is now somehow um, like the scene of my betrayal. Like it's not, it's like every memory I have there now is kind of tainted. Like it's always, it's always paired with like, okay, here's this memory, but like was your bio dad watching you or like, yeah. you? I don't know, it's just so weird. Yep. And to know that I had a sister that grew up so close and I felt like something was missing my whole life and here she was right there so yeah I haven't been able to go back there um I I um have sought out a lot of help to kind of work me work through all of this you know therapy a psychiatrist a psychologist like all of the things um I knew that when I took time off work that I really needed to make my healing my work and I did. I took it really seriously um, by finding support groups and reading books and going to to therapy and finding you um, and the group in Minneapolis. Like I, everything I could possibly do, I needed to do. Um, that's really what got me through. Like made me feel like I could continue. Um, that being said, I like to this day, I'm still trying to figure out 
um, how to cope with the cabin. I don't know what's going to happen. Summer's coming, spring's coming. It's typically very exciting for me. Um, you know, one of my new NPE friends at the retreat, she was like, well, you can just buy your own cabin, <laughs> you know, make your own yeah. memories. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Right. Or, like my girlfriends and I, we can go rent a cabin and, you know, make our own memories. So I kind of like, there's a way I feel like that, but um, we'll see what happens in the future. But my life will forever be split into two, you know, the before and the after, you know. Um, it makes me sad because my son, you know, I, I always envision him going up to the cabin with me and him kind of inheriting it and, and all that. So I don't know what'll happen. Um, yeah, I chose to go no contact with my mom not too long after that phone conversation when she was not respecting my boundaries because she would kind of randomly text me here and there. Um, and every time she did, it just threw me into a spiral, um, she was very angry with me for some reason, even though like it was her secret and her lie and I just figured it out. Um, but somehow I was ruining everybody's life and I was ruining my son's life. And that's when I got pissed. Ooh, yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> Those boundaries had to be set. So she was blocked on all my social media. I blocked her phone number. You know, the only way she could get a hold of me is if she wrote me a letter, mm -hmm. um, which she did write me a letter. And it took me like three months to write her back. I just, it, I couldn't even do it. it. I just, I typed it up, you know, so I could edit it and, and proofread and it ended up being eight pages long. But I just, it was so hard for me to even think about talking to her. And, you know, to this day, she can still write me letters. That's about it. The, the kind of final straw, there's two final straws in that decision. Number one, over the summer, um, I found out. And, you know, granted, everything is through the grapevine, but found out she actually uh, started to contact my bio dad. And that's so totally like her because she's extremely narcissistic. Mm -hmm. um, everything revolves around her. And if she's not center of, you know, the conversation, she's going to go find out. And so I think she was very upset that I was not filling her in on everything. You know, she wanted to know, did I talk to him? What did he say? What is he saying about her? Like she was so worried about what other people would think about her um, that she decided to meddle. I mean, my, I found out that she wrote him a letter and put it on his doorstep up at the cabin. Mm. And that just infuriated me. I'm like, how dare you? You, you lied to my face when I was going through like the hardest part of my life that you didn't even know who this man was. And now you're going to write him a letter. And then come to find out, granted, I don't know what's true, but apparently she was saying some not so nice things about me in this letter, um, trying to kind of like pit him against me, which is something she totally would do, right? Because that's what she does to all of her, her people that she doesn't want other people to have relationships with. Um, so it was kind of one of the final straws, like, why are you even trying to get involved in this? Um, and then the second straw was when she posted on Facebook this long paragraph. And I think I might've sent it to you actually. I think I remember sending it to you. Yeah. This is part of what she said. I, I printed it out and I save it because I, it's a reminder. She says, um, my daughter blocked me from phone or social media contact. Cancel culture is now not only accepted, but widely practiced. I made a questionable decision regarding her biological father when she was born yet to her, it was a horrible, intentional, purely selfish one. I will be damned if I will sit here and apologize for things that are not true. They are her perceptions, her beliefs, her decisions. And while I acknowledge it is her reality, it is not true. Not factual, pure bullshit. Oh my God. I'm getting so, so I just, I remember that. I remember that you were in so much pain and she was just blaming you, blaming you. Oh, narcissism. Oh, oh, that makes me angry. I'm like you. blasting it out into the world. Like I was so livid. I was like, you know what? Like, so she oh, yeah. hides your true parentage and she, but yet she calls it, I made a questionable decision. It's just exactly. the delusion. It's right. Oh, boy. Yeah. oh, and then the kicker is that while this was all kind of going on, my birth certificate dad, you know, he, I would start, to, I was talking to him almost every night, which was really nice. Um, he was very, very supportive. He was there for me. And we actually had a chance to start to form a relationship this summer. 
it was like there was no more lies. There was no more cloud of like, you know, negativity for my mother. And I could just really be myself and my, my dad could be his self and like we'd hang out. It was great. Um, but he said to my older sister that, oh, by the way, your dad's not your dad either. Oh. My older sister. <laughs> you She's, all have different dads. Yeah. Yep. So now I have three sisters with different, all different, all half sisters. Um, but that was a surprise to my older sister. You know, she didn't believe it either. She was like, no way, no way. He goes, yeah, go look at your birth certificate. Go look right now. We were on three-way phone call. <laughs> and I hear her. She goes up the stairs. She's like, okay, hold on. I know where it is. She takes it out and she's like, oh, interesting. <laughs> There's no father listed. And my dad was like, yeah, that's because she didn't know who it was. Wow. Um. So through her journey, she, her new sister that she just found, she, her new sister was also adopted, but she found who her b- birth family was, both her mother and her father. So her birth father was also my sister's birth father, which was not the father that my mother set was her father. Oh my gosh. Another NPE. Yeah. My older sister. So my mom's an adoptee. My older sister's an NPE and I'm an NPE. Um, and then my younger sister, um, she ended up taking ancestry with my dad just to make sure, even though she looks exactly like him. Yeah. Like, there's no denying. Um, and, she, and she is. She's BCFs. Okay. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but in the, in the kind of midst of everything, I was having a really hard time one night and I called my older sister just to kind of like, you know, say, Hey, I'm really struggling right now. And I was looking for support. Um, and she was just kind of awful to me on the phone. Um, she said that I was calling mom a liar and I'm like, she is a liar. (laughs) And she said, she didn't want to talk to me if I had nothing nice to say about mom. And then she said that I needed to grow the F up. And I said, okay, fine. And I blocked her. I was like, you know what? I don't have, I don't have time. I don't have patience for people who are like going to be so negative in my life. And if you're not going to support me, then I don't need to deal with it, you know? And so it was just, it was just crazy to me that, um, cause her, her point of view was like, oh, who cares? You know, it was the seventies. Dismissive. Mom, yeah. Very dismissive. Like, I don't think she's, she was I don't know. She has a lot of mental health problems too. And I mean, who doesn't, but I think she just doesn't have it in her to be mad at my mom about it for some reason, which is fine. Like teach their own, but it's just like, we couldn't see eye to eye. We're no longer on the same level. It tore us apart. It really did. Um, You guys are still estranged. Yeah. Still not talking to my older sister or my mother. Um, Yeah. I mean, you need that for, protection purposes you realize yep exactly yep and and you know in my mind my son is the number one he is everything in my life and he he needs a mom who is healthy you know mentally in every way and I need to take care of myself for him so he can have a stable mother like something I never had (laughs) yes you know so like I'll do whatever it takes to like do that for him now that we become mothers we realize Okay, we may have been treated like shit earlier, but we have to remain mentally fit. We are raising children. This <laughs> toxic, delusional, dishonest, the family members. Yeah, I, I realized that too. I was like, okay, now I need to make my life and my inner circle healthy because I'm raising a child. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's so important. Um, and I feel like every decision I make is kind of filtered through this like this lens of doing exactly opposite of what my mother (laughs) growing up. Yep. Nodding along right now. You know? Um, So yeah, since then um, my bio dad and I, we text maybe once or twice a week, you know, send him a picture of my son. He'll keep me informed on what he he's up to and stuff like that. Um, We met a second time over the summer. We went uh, for a walk around Lake Harriet. And then he took me to the Rose Garden. We walked around there. And then we went to Sebastian Joe's for ice cream. Um, yeah. So it was just a really lovely day. We had a really good chat. You know, it's still awkward. It's still weird. I don't know. Um, I'll never know what my mom said to him in that letter. That really bothers me on a lot of levels. Just that she was just trying to sabotage. Um, and then I met up with him for a third time 
around Christmas and I brought my son. So he was able to meet his only grandchild <laughs> thus far. Oh, wow. And, you know, my son's so happy-go-lucky. And, you know, I just tell him he's so lucky He's he has three grandpas now, you know? Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Um, so that was that was special. He um, he brought me another um, little memento from my grandma's house, uh, Norwegian Santa Claus, and uh, Lefsa from my grandmother's recipe. So it's like I've never had heritage or, like, any kind of, you know, background. So it was nice to have that finally. How was he with your son? How did that go? Um, well, it was a surprise, and I wasn't planning on it. Um, my son had to stay home from preschool for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I was going to. I had these plans, and I was, I was so worried. I was like, if I tell him I have my son and he doesn't want to meet him, he's going to cancel, and I'm not going to be able to see him. Yep. Um, you know, and I was just so worried. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to bring him. Like he's my kid. He comes with me. If he needs to come with me, yes. <laughs> like, what do you do? Walk out? I don't know. But he was, he was very nice. Um, my son was, of course, just silly, super silly. And, you know, he's three. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that must've been probably a little challenging for him at, on some level to meet his grandson. I mean, they, they're, they look a lot alike. Wow. <laughs> they really do. I think that's so cool. Yeah. And your son is so cute by the way. Thank you. Adorable. And did you, I know you designed our local community center, our new one. I haven't been there yet. Did you also do the playground? I I did work on the playground, some of it. Yep. A huge team worked on that project. You are so amazing. Like, I'm so excited. I can't believe what what you've done and what you have been through in the last six months. This is like a multi-million dollar community center. And and found out you were an NPE. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, Danny, how can they do that? Can they do that? Yeah, they can do that. They can email me at uh, Danny, D-A-N-I, Lynn, L-Y-N-N, dot Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N, at yahoo.com. Is there anything else you would like to share today before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I want to say thank you to you, Lily, for the work that you do. Um, I came across your podcast. And it was like literally one of the first things I found where I felt like, oh my gosh, there's other people. And I just couldn't stop listening <laughs> to all the stories. So thank you to everyone who shared their stories before me. Um, I hope that there's a lot of awareness that can be brought to this topic because it's so life-changing more support we have, the the better off we all are. Um, and, you know, everyone has the right to know <laughs> where they come from. I mean, at the end of the day, that's where it all lies down to. Everyone has the right to know. The truth shall set you free. Gosh, so true. Yeah. Oh, you're the best. I want to get uh, coffee, just you and me. I know, let's do it. On the calendar soon. Um, Danny, thank you so much for, you know, you've, you've, told me your story before, but thank you for retelling your story, giving me the updates and talking about the hard stuff today too. And I, I really appreciate this so much. And, and so does everyone else that's listening to your story today. So thank you. Thank you, Lily. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.